Welcome, everyone. We're about to begin Bezaz Hashem BPM, Sheer number one. That's Bias Panimi, specifically for the men, Sheer number one. Um, before we start, I want to just really emphasize this point. I know I've said it in the introductions of the Shalom Bayes Shiorim, the main Shalom Bayes Shiorim, and through the course of the Shiorim, I often point out that everything I'm saying, because sometimes I say things about things that husbands need to do and need to work on, and um, I'm always worried that sometimes unintentionally it sounds like I'm like up on a high horse, uh, like I'm a know-it-all, and conveying to you things that I'm above and that's really not true, number one, and it's also not a healthy approach. If I'd um, have that attitude, then I would not be qualified to give any sheer whatsoever on this subject. So this is something I really want you to keep in mind. I should have mentioned it in the introduction, is that there will be times where I may sound, uh, I wouldn't use the word harsh, but more introspective. And sometimes when I talk about things that we need to correct, it could be painful. So the things, a lot of things that I'm going to be saying, I'm not purposefully doing that. Um, I'm going to have a lot of shiurim where there's going to be uplifting things and, and encouragement and chizik, which we all need. But what we also all need is introspection and correcting the things that are that we did incorrectly till now. And sometimes it touches a raw nerve and uh, sometimes it really hurts. And I just want to tell you very, very clearly that anything that you experience when I talk that way, um, I feel it and I've experienced it myself. And sometimes in this particular group, I will be more forthcoming uh, on it because I think it's very important to convey. I may not have the same struggles as you, but in many aspects I do because some of it is universal. So you need to, I think if you realize that and understand that, that I'm coming from that point of weakness as well, and understanding that vulnerability and the importance of working on things, I think it'll it'll be much more effective. And that's something that I really want you to keep in mind as I give the shiurim. You know, with the women, there's another challenge over there is that I need to develop a certain trust level there that when I, um, you know, it's a balance because I'm not necessarily, sometimes I have to say things that are painful there too. And... Uh, I'm not going to uh, mince words when, when, when something that is important that for them to know to know. And I have to sort of convince them that what I'm saying is not because I'm a man per se versus that they're women, but that it's really a true truth that needs to be um, processed. So that's just the horror I wanted to bring. Um, we will start off. There is a safer, an unbelievable small safer called Your Wife, Yourself, A Husband's Guide to Shalom Bias by Rabbi David Rosman. Um, he has Askama on this small safer by Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky. And it's based, these, these, this small book is based on Shurim he heard from someone, Rabbi Yaakov Friedman, who's the Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshiva's Berches Mordechai. And he said that he basically heard the Shurim from his Rebbe, who is that um, uh, Rav, Rav Yaakov Friedman. And uh, he heard it uh, years ago. And then he took his Yesodos and spread it out and talked to and gave it over to his own Talmidim, where he himself teaches in Eishat Taira, um, to give it over. And we're going to go through some of that over here. And um, I want to ask you all also to be patient, because if you're patient 
and it may take some time because these shiurim won't be daily, but ultimately we will cover a lot of aspects and angles of Shalom Bayes. So I'm going to ask you to really try to be patient and just we can't rush into things, but we're going to do things very in a very, very um, meaningful, practical way. So the first thing is to understand on our own what Shalom Bayes actually is. And what we need to understand also is the Medrash says about Shalom among Malachim, the Pasuk says, that he made peace in his heights, meaning up above in Shemayim, among the Malachim. And the question arises is there's no conflict between Malachim. There's no Yetzirah and there's no conflict. So what does Shalom exactly mean up there if it doesn't mean resolving conflicts? So clearly there's a higher level of Shalom that's not just about settling disputes and conflicts, but what the panemius of Shalom is is a certain human unity, a certain harmony, a certain complete union that that really creates a special coexistence of a high level of oneness. So the first step may be to eliminate strife and machlaikis, but an ultimate goal is to become one, that husbands and wives, husband and a wife, becomes one united, both in mind and in the shama and in their tachlis. Now, this does not take away the fact that every person has their own unique neshama. And even if we say that a person that doesn't have a wife yet is like a half of a half of a person, but ultimately, however you want to say it, you're the half a person that you are are, or the unique neshama that you are as an individual is to be respected, and you're a whole world unto yourself. So clearly, the, the, like we're going to talk later, does not mean that your, your, your wife and her husband is exactly the same and they just do the same thing. They are different and they have different roles many times. But ultimately, they really, the tachlis of it is, is they do experience that oneness. And that is the tachlis. And the Vilna Goyen brings down in Mishlei that HaKadosh Baruch who initially created Adam and Chava as one body. Whether you learn it was two sides, you know, back to back, or whether you learn that it was the rib, but whatever the case is, is that they were, they were one body at one point, even though HaKadosh Baruch ultimately separated them. But the bottom line is the essence of it, the shayush of it, is that they are one body, because the bond between a husband and a wife is more than the kirva of any other relative where they become one because they are inherently one, and that was the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu actually created them. And the process of marriage, and with all the bumps in it, it shouldn't um, sway us, shouldn't get us nervous. It should actually help. We could need to reframe it and make it that it's a powerful, uplifting task to enhance our marriages. And we need to know that um, that we can always get closer, we could always reach a higher level of shalom, and we could learn how to keep the spark of marriage exciting even after many years and many decades of marriage. And that is a very important aside to know. Another thing for all of you is to understand this. Many people feel, you know, um, he, he, the author here says that the, a woman in the audience told told her once that her husband would benefit from hearing these ideas. In other words, really, she would benefit if her husband would hear these ideas. 
but he hated these types of classes because he has no use for marriage counseling. Now, many of us feel that way. I myself have certain cynicism or reluctance towards reaching out to people for my own personal help, and it's something I need to work on, the trust levels. And of course, you have to be careful. You can't just trust every anyone. You know, they have to come recommended and uh, you know with research to make sure you have the right person. But um, very people, very many people think that all self help books or marriage lectures or couples therapies are all they're for failures, they're for nebuch cases, they're for misfits, they're for you know people that are you know have some something wrong with them. And normal people like us, you know, we could cope on our own. And very often, that is a real misconception. We all need help, no matter how we view ourselves as how ever normal as normal can be. We all need help in this area, in all areas of life, and there's no shame in it. And sometimes it actually is productive to try to go and be proactive and get that help. You see this in other professions too, he says, like doctors. You know, they study for years, but even after they're practicing medicine, the real good doctors, they attend conferences, they read up medical journals, not because the, they have to upgrade and keep their degree. They do it on their own voluntarily because they want to learn everything they can about their trade and the new and the new uh, medic- medicines that are coming out and the new treatments that are coming out and they're constantly reviewing this. You have this even in nature with accounting. I remember, you know, in accounting, when the accounting firm was around in the, in the 80s, the 1980s, we had this green paper and long ledgers and you wrote things and and whatever it is, and times change, and then you have technology. And even in those areas, there, there is so much room that you need to do to be effective and successful to stay current in these fields. And the same thing with marriage. We're learning things, and we know we need to have material and information and things that we need to learn. Um, for example... CBT, by the way, cognitive-based therapy that deals with helping anxiety and depression, in reality is a tool that can help every normal human being, even those who do not suffer majorly with depression or anxiety. Just regular nervousness, CBT could help. 12-step program, same idea. You know, you look through it very, very carefully. Yes, it's effective, used the right way to help with various addictions, alcohol, sexual, gambling, and drug and all these things. But in reality, even for people who Baruch Hashem are not addicted to anything, the concepts in those 12 steps are very effective. So that's one thing to sometimes be open to the fact that we could learn and that we could use help with the right marriage lectures, with the right couples therapies at times. And it doesn't mean that you're uh, weird or a misfit or there's something wrong with you inherently. And it's must it, and many people basically acknowledge that it's the best decision they ever ha- uh, ha- had in their lives. The other thing is to understand is that you and your wife could be very good people, but that does not guarantee that you'll have a great marriage. Because, as we said in the introduction, Shalom Bayis demands constant effort, constant work, and sometimes one of the two may be more relationship oriented more interested in having a relationship while the other one is more independent that they don't have the strong need for it and therefore in that case the one that doesn't have a strong need for it still needs to understand the importance of it and develop that relationship 
And then the one that's very relationship-oriented needs to understand that they could encourage, but they can't press, and they need to ex- uh, also respect uh, personal space and, 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 and things like that. And basically, the idea of marriage is to become more accepting, more flexible, more understanding of your wife or husband's inner world, your wife's inner world, expressing love, expressing appreciation, share things, growing together, which for many men, it's sort of counterintuitive. Some of us are not either wired or because of our environment. We didn't grow up where we are mushy-mushy about our feelings. And the truth is, is... Um, over emotion, being overly emotional is not necessarily a healthy thing, but very often, um, many men in particular have difficulty expressing normal, healthy human emotions. And for example, to cry, some people pride themselves, you know, that male persona, they never cried ever or whatever it is. That's not a healthy thing. It's a healthy thing to cry. There's a place and time for it. So ideally, a husband and wife both should work together on this self-work in marriage. But the truth is, is that it could work a lot, even if it's still one-sided. Ultimately, it'll have a major effect and ultimately be able to influence your wife also to participate in, in, in those aspects of improving the marriage together. And... Um, Here's a story he brings down from Hanech Teller. He brought it down in his biography on Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach, Zechit Tzadik Levracha, that a Talmud Chacham escorted him home and noticed that Rav Shlomo Zalman was straightening out his clothes and arranging his hat as he approached his house. And um, so the one who walked him assumed that he was, you know, a big hush of a guest is there already or is coming to the, his house. And he asked him who it was, and Shlomo Zalman said his wife was waiting for him. The Gemara says that when a husband and wife live properly together, the Shechina dwells there. So I'm preparing myself for the Shechina. So he felt he looked at it literally, that the Shechina is in the house when there's Shalom. And by the way, this is a good tool to use, to really, really, that will really, really help you when there is, let's say, a conflict or you're, or you're really having, you know what the right thing is, but your emotions are getting the best of you and it's very hard. So part of the way that you're able to help yourself make the right decision in those moments and still maintain peace and be, you know, warm and kind, even if it's hard, is to realize that when the Chazal say that ish the isha zochu shechina b'neim, that when the husband and wife are worthy, the shechina is there, it's not just a nice saying, it's literal. It actually is literal. The Shechina actually dwells there. And that's another important point to um, to, to stress. So to get to the practical aspects of what makes a marriage work well, and um, the idea is of what we mentioned in the introduction, that marriage is challenging in the sense that it makes people grow and there's a certain mental preparation uh, that again for the, your children the biggest chesed you could do for them is to get them to the right people to help them develop the tools that need, they need to learn about a marriage um, to help them grow with that another thing to realize is is that even after you're married already and even for a long time 
that, and no matter how, what state your marriage is in, if it's not so good, it could get better. And if it's good, it could get even better. That just like with physical growth, you know, when you develop your muscles, whatever it is, someone's a bodybuilder or an athlete, and they work out very hard, there's a certain strong feeling of discomfort and it burns your muscles actually feels a burning sensation but the good news about it is is the bodybuilder you know doesn't suffer from that burning sensation or that pain or that strain after a while he actually has hana from it why does he have hana from it because he knows what's happening now when he feels those what we call charlie horse or the stretching you know, his limit there is that his muscles are getting bigger and stronger and he's, his endurance is getting stronger. His power level is getting stronger and his, you know, and his, uh, you know, agility is getting better by leaps and bounds by this very discomfort. And that's what it's about sometimes that it's okay to have, you know, vacations sometimes and to take a moment to rest and to rest properly and to enjoy, you know, calms, calm moments as well. Of course, but a big chalik of marriage is we should not fear or become disheartened by hard work, but rather we should view it as exercising those muscles, like in an analogy we just brought, that will make a beautiful marriage. And again, we don't realize it, but I will tell you from its personal experience on some level, and also from what I heard and read from many, many, many sources from many, many, many sources where I read up where marriages were in shambles, in terrible state, and divorce was on the horizon, and they could never even imagine how they could be under the same roof ever, ever again. Sometimes the feelings were extremely toxic. And yet, and yet, maybe with some counseling too, and whatever, working through some issues, whatever it is, it turned around a whole 180 degrees. And the reason behind that, the biggest reason behind that is the hard work, the effort. Yogata umatsasa tamen. Here it applies. Yogata umatsasa tamen. And, and there is no reason not to believe that. Now, I know what I was told several times by some people, and it is a good question that, you know, you have in the Gemara this story where uh, I think it was Rav Chia, it was Rav, and it was Rav actually, Rachia, his son, um, his, he asked for food, and the wife, you always used to cook the opposite, and the, and, the, and, the, and the son always used to flip it around, you know, and say the opposite thing, so he got the right food, and then the Rav said she improved, and he admitted that he switched, and he said you shouldn't do it. The bottom line is, you know, so the counter thing is, what happens if you have such a wife that does exactly the opposite of what you do, and, you know... But those are really outlying, outlier situations. And one of the Yetzirah's tricks is, is that when you have certain character flaws and your wife also has certain character flaws, it's very easy. All of a sudden you put your wife into that category. Okay, she's like Rav's wife over there, does everything the opposite, contrary. You know, it's very easy to put them in that slot over there. And... Um, you know, you have in the Gemara stories that, you know, sometimes there was a difficult wife and um, and nevertheless, he used to give gifts to her. And uh, he said two things. Number one, she raises the children and saves us from sin, meaning that refers not just from all sin, but from, 
you know, with the marital relations that saves you from sin and so on and so forth. So there's always room to look always at the good side and to build the potential. And especially if you work jointly, it's, it's even more effective. But even if you're on your own, so to speak, there's always tremendous, with your own efforts, you actually can influence. This is, I'm going to end the share with this particular thought. This is very, very important. You know, we daven, um, you know, sometimes that other people should do tshuva, sometimes we ask. We daven, let's say, um, you know, that you're, you're, you're you know, if, if you have a child that has certain issues with certain midas, you're davening that they should come and see the light, right? Or, or seeing things like that. And the $6 million question is, is when you're davening for people to be chayzeh b'tshuva, let's say, you want them to come back. Or you're davening for shalom bayis, and you're davening that your wife should be warmer towards you, or the wife is asking the same thing. So the main question, which is a very good question, is, what do you mean? There's bechira. And Hashem gave, gives us free will. So how could your prayer, how could your davening, your davening that, you know, besides your own midas, that your wife should turn her heart towards you and be warm to you, right? But that's her free will. And no matter what you do, how could Tefillah, you know, help with that? That's something that Hashem gave the choice to the person. And it's hard to know the exact answer for this, but most Mepharshim explain, and this is the basic concept of it, is, is that it is, while it is true that ultimately the choice of a behaviors, conscious behaviors, are dependent upon the person themselves. Nevertheless, prayer has an amazing ability of being a powerful, positive influencer. You cannot create the Bechira, but you could create the influence and the hashpa that would be Ma'ir, the Cheshik, for the other person to choose right. That is something that is in a person's hands through Tefillah. Part of to explain this is also, I'm giving you just an example of, let's say, someone who Khalila went off the derech. Let's say even a child Khalila went off the derech. Okay? And you're davening day in and day out that your child should be chayzeh b'tshuva, should be chayzeh b'tshuva, should come back. And what happens is, in Shemayim, we don't know how things work, and your tefillahs, you need to know, are answered regardless, even if it doesn't come out in the form that you see it, you'll, it'll come up. No tefillah is wasted. Every tefillah is precious. But sometimes you see that may take some time, but it will be influenced to a certain degree that the, the, the atmosphere, the softening of the heart will occur to allow the person to be easier for them to choose in a healthier choices. And that's an important thing just to know in general about how tefillah helps. Tefillah is not shot that you compel another person to do, that they have to do something. Please, uh, that's not, not healthy. That's not a healthy thing. Yadavim, please, you know, help help that, um, you know, my husband remember to always take out the garbage, you know? You know, things like that. But but in general, to ask for a ruach tahara, to ask siyata deshmaya to please soften our hearts, my heart and my spouse's hearts towards each other, that we should open up and create a healing atmosphere to one another. And even if it seems like it's far from reality right now, those are tefillahs that actually do help. They plant the seeds, and slowly but surely it develops. And you have testimonials about this. There are many, many testimonials about marriages that were difficult, 
that went through things and they worked on themselves. They experienced things together. They got the right help and the guidance and they turned 180 degrees and now they can't imagine, imagine, they can't even imagine living their lives without the spouse that's next to them. And that is my deepest wish. It's really HaKadosh Baruch Hu's deepest wish. And we're going to talk about that too, that really the Geula a lot is dependent on Shalom Bayis. And you explain why. It's a very, very simple concept. Why? Because the Shairish of so much things is totally in this. And if Shalom Bayis is better, in Klai Yisrael and is strong, Mashiach will come. There's no question about it. Bekarev. Because here is where the root of Shalom lies. We will talk more about Hashem on this subject and on many subjects. I thank you again for joining, and I appreciate it very much. I should wishing you all Hatzlacha and Bracha in everything in life, in all areas of life, Begashmias and Baruchnias, in your own Shalom Bayis, in all your loved ones' Shalom Bayis, and overall in life, that you should all have tremendous success, Begashmias and Baruchnias, because the physical and the spiritual really are all one when you're thinking about serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Have a wonderful day.